Park, thank you for the prayer. You, you hit all of my points in my sermon, so I'm just going to be like, Park already did it. We're good. We can go home early, get some lunch. No. Um, so today we're in the fifth week of the What's the Story initiative. And the topic that we're going to be discussing today is Christianity, the problem or the solution? So to prepare for this sermon, I, I watched a movie called Collision. <clears throat> Maybe some of you have seen it. It features debates between Christopher Hitchens, who is a famous and outspoken atheist, and Douglas Wilson, who's a Christian and a pastor. And uh, I also read the book uh, that they wrote together called, Is Christianity Good for the World? And it kind of features their contrasting views on the subject in a debate format. Uh, interesting read if, you're, if you want to ever borrow it, I've got it. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, you may also know, wrote a book previous to that uh, called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. And his viewpoint is that religion, and specifically Christianity, is filled with hypocrites who have committed horrendous atrocities throughout history in the name of God, and therefore religion should be removed from society entirely. And Christopher is not alone. There are many who share the same viewpoint. Are they, are they right? And if they are, does this fact invalidate Christianity? We're probably all familiar with King Tutankhamun, better known as King Tut. When archaeologists first discovered his tomb and they opened up his lavishly decorated casket, they found another casket within that. They opened the second, which was covered with gold leaf, and then they found a third casket within that. Inside the third casket was a fourth made of pure gold and was ornately decorated. But when the body was unwrapped, it was leathery and shriveled. This is a good illustration of hypocrisy. Even if we are trying to cloak a dead spiritual life in caskets of gold to impress others, the beauty of the exterior does not change the absence of life on the interior. Sadly, there are Christians who are this way. They look good on the outside, but inside, they're shriveled up and lifeless. Jesus spent a lot of time dealing with religious hypocrites in his day. Being a hypocrite refers to the act of claiming to believe something, but acting in a different manner. The word is derived from the Greek term for actor. It literally means one who wears a mask. Basically, someone who pretends to be what he is not. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he had many run-ins with the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. These men were well-versed in the scriptures, and they were zealous about following every letter of the law. However, in adhering to the letter of the law, they actively sought loopholes that allowed them to violate the spirit of the law. Also, they displayed a lack of compassion toward their fellow man and were often overly expressive in their so-called spirituality in order to earn praise and attention for themselves. Jesus criticized their behavior in no uncertain terms, pointing out that justice, mercy, and faithfulness are more important than pursuing a perfection based on faulty standards. Jesus made it clear that the problem was not with the law, but the way in which the Pharisees implemented the law. Today, even the word Pharisee has become synonymous with hypocrite. As children of God, we are called to strive for holiness. We are uh, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, as Paul says in Romans 12.9. 
All we do should be consistent with what we believe and who we are in Christ. Play acting is meant for the stage, not for real life. But the sad reality is that some Christians do more play acting than actual living their beliefs. Like the Pharisees, they, sometimes we say one thing, but we do another. Although there is debate about whether he said this, uh, Gandhi, the great spiritual leader of India, supposedly once said this, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Even if he never actually said these words, I'm sure people throughout history have said something like this or have certainly thought this. Maybe some of you here today have had this thought. History is filled with people who have called themselves Christians, but yet were the worst possible representatives for Christ. As Christopher Hitchens proposes, atrocities have been committed in the name of Christ throughout history by people who claimed to be Christian, but whose deeds showed otherwise. I'm going to say this here and now, and I'm sorry if this makes some of us uncomfortable. All Christians at some level are hypocrites. We don't live up to our highest aspirations of ourselves and certainly don't meet God's standard for holiness. The term Christian means followers of Christ, but most of us can't live up to that standard that Jesus set for us. But does that mean that Christianity is untrue? Does this mean that Christianity is bad for the world, as Hitchens speculates? That leads us to our topic for today. Is Christianity the problem or the solution? Before we get into that question, I want to go back in history to look at the problem and God's solution a little bit more in depth. In the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, God created Adam and Eve in his image. They were his perfect creation as he is perfect. But God also endowed them with the ability to make their own choices. He could have created them to always make the best moral choice in every situation, but then they'd be more akin to robots than humans. But because God is good, he wanted them to have the ability to love him freely without coercion. So he gave them free will. The same free will that gave them the ability to freely choose to love God also gave them the option to choose evil. And that is what happened when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God. Since that time, our inherited guilt from Adam and Eve quickly turns into real guilt as our entire will has been turned towards sin. We are all born with a sinful nature. We are born sinners, and for that reason, we are unable to do good in order to please God in our natural state. We lack any inherent spiritual good. Nothing we can do in and of ourselves can fix that. Pretty bleak, right? No, God had a plan, a plan to make things right again. God had a solution for the world. He sent Jesus, his only son, to come to earth, to live a blameless life, and to die as a sacrifice for our sin. Someone had to pay the penalty for our sin and uh, to a holy God, and only a blameless sacrifice, a perfect substitute, would be good enough to divert God's wrath from us. When Jesus died and rose again, our penalty was paid in full. Once for all, 
If we accept this gift and acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are declared to be right, and our sins are erased in God's sight. There's nothing we can do to earn this. It's a free gift from God. This brings up another question. What does this mean uh, for us? Does this mean that our sin nature disappears at the moment of conversion when we give our life to Jesus? Unfortunately, no. Christians are still sinners. There's an old phrase that was popular in the church a few decades ago that Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. It's cliche, yes, but there's some truth in that sentiment. Now, what does this mean for us in the church? It means that church is messy. It means that the church is run by imperfect people. Christians make mistakes, and sometimes we are poor examples of the Christ we follow. Does this mean that Christianity is bad for the world? Far from it. Hear me when I say this. The behavior of individuals or even large groups of Christians neither proves nor disproves the truth of Christianity. When Christians behave badly, sure, we're not providing a good witness of the transforming power of Jesus, but we are providing a good example for the the need for and the extent of His forgiveness. Yes? Only one thing can save us from from our sinful state, and that is Jesus Christ. Just because we see a lot of counterfeit or mistake-ridden Christ followers throughout history does not in the slightest way change the fact that Jesus is the real deal. Are Christians hypocrites? Yes, we can be. Have some Christians caused a permanent stain on history and therefore tainted the gospel message? Yes, again. Are you bound to meet a few Christians in your life that will make you want to do anything but become a Christian? Sadly, yes. And this is important. I want you to hear me, especially if you're a Christian or a non-Christian who have been hurt by the church. If you're here this morning and you've been hurt by Christians or the church, I want to take this moment to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had that experience. Sometimes we don't live up to the standard that Jesus set. And sometimes we make mistakes. But please don't let fallible people Ruin your image of a holy God. This leads us back to the question, is Christianity bad for the world? I'll answer that by saying that just because there are poor examples of Christ doesn't mean that Christ is like those representations. Thankfully, we don't invite Christians into our heart. We invite Christ, who is most certainly not a hypocrite. Likewise, we don't refer to the words and actions of Christians As our standard, we look only to Jesus' words and actions. Jesus at the bar, nobody else. Christianity does not stand or fall on the way Christians have acted throughout history or are even acting today. Christianity stands or falls on the person of Jesus, and Jesus was not a hypocrite. Jesus lived what he taught it was recorded in John 8:46 that at the near the end of his life Jesus challenged those who had lived with him night and day for over 3 years to point out any hypocrisy in him and his disciples were silent because there was no hypocrisy 
Since Christianity depends on Jesus, it is incorrect to try to invalidate the Christian faith by pointing to horrible things done in the name of Christianity. Here's a brief example of what I mean, and maybe this will make it a little bit more clear. Let's say uh, a president of a large car company is always telling his friends and family that a certain make of car in his company is the best in the country and the only car they should be driving. And in fact, many automotive magazines and consumer groups have, have backed up his claims and shared that this car is one of the best in the country. But what if the president of this company is found to be driving the leading model of his competition? You would say, what a hypocrite. If he believed all that stuff he said about his car, then he would be driving it. And this would be a fair response. But the fact that he is a hypocrite and is driving his competition's car does not invalidate the fact that his car actually may be the best in the country. The same is true with Christianity. People may claim that it is true and still lives that are, live lives that are inconsistent with that claim, but that does not invalidate the truth about Christianity. So does that mean that those of us who are Christians are off the hook? Are we allowed to behave however we choose? No, not at all. For some reason that is beyond my understanding, God chose to be represented on this earth by His people, the church. We are called Christians, followers of Christ. If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, then you bear His name, and that means that you are His representatives here on earth. Paul says in the New Testament that you are Jesus' ambassador, as uh, Parag read for us earlier. We were given the ministry of reconciliation by God himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are God's, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. What we do, think, say, defines how others view Jesus and can have a profound effect on their eternal destination. That's a scary thought, but it's the reality of Christianity. Now I'm going to speak just to the Christians here today. Friends, it's, it's time to step it up. We may be the only Jesus that the world sees. As followers of Christ, we have the responsibility of demonstrating to the world what Jesus might look like were he to walk the earth today. The people in the world who would never enter a church, who would never read a Bible, and who never hear a sermon should be able to know who Jesus is by watching us. Every day we have opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. But we must ask ourselves this, are we being good representatives of Christ? The world is watching and we must be careful how we live. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, to look carefully how you walk. Some translations say, look carefully how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'm going to switch gears for a second, and I'm going to talk about this. 
I want to take a few minutes to acknowledge something as we talk about whether Christianity is the problem or the solution. With every example of hypocrisy that can be pointed to in the church, a counterexample can be pointed out showing people who are living consistently with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Just as people can look back on history and see all the atrocities done in the name of Jesus throughout history, you can also look back and see all of the good that has come about from Christians living lives consistent with their beliefs. And this is certainly true as compared to other belief systems. Over the centuries, the the Christian church has founded schools, hospitals, orphanages. Christians have campaigned for prison reform, better housing, and an end to the slave trade. Christians have established charities to support the poor and the underprivileged. Christians have provided support to prisoners and their families and have provided resources for the homeless. Christian churches have historically provided marriage preparation courses and marriage counseling when needed, and they host parent and child groups and provide assistance for the bereaved. Christian churches offer spiritual counseling and emotional support for those people who are suffering and struggling. Christian churches offer drug and alcohol addiction support groups and help people remove the shackles of addiction. The church provides lunch clubs for underprivileged children. It provides food, clothing, and accommodation for the destitute. It sponsors and runs chaplaincies in a number of community organizations. It runs food banks for people who are unable to put food on the table. Around the world, the, the Christian church is working to tackle poverty and injustice. It is providing financial and practical help for communities hit by natural disasters. Studies show that Christians are more likely than others to do good deeds. They volunteer more time and donate more money to good causes. When a disaster occurs, Christians are among the first responders. The Christian church does advocacy work, speaking up for the voiceless in the world. The Christian church was at the heart of the civil rights movement in the United States and the campaign to end apartheid in South Africa. In terms of scientific advances, Newton, Kepler, Descartes, Pascal were all devout Christians and were the founders of modern science. The Christian church throughout history has been a major source of social services like education, medical care, and inspiration for some of the most beautiful art and architecture a motivation for culture and philosophy, and an influential power in politics. In fact, to bring this a little closer to home, (laughs) without Christians, there wouldn't be Guinness, (laughs) which was created by Arthur Guinness, a devout Christian, to give his community a less potent alternative to liquor. The fact of the matter is that Christianity has shaped the world in countless beneficial ways by Christians who have lived out their faith in truth and conviction. There's a great book. I brought it with me today. So if you want to take a look at it after, feel free, uh, called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born by Dr. James Kennedy. I would highly recommend it. It's very interesting. But within it is a wonderful quote that I think illustrates my point. Dr. Kennedy says, the religion of Jesus Christ has done more to elevate moral standards than any other force in history. Had Jesus never come, it's unlikely the Ten Commandments would be known beyond the Jews. Had Jesus never come, many of us who are of Anglo-Saxon stock might still be drinking out of human skulls as they used to. Had Jesus never come, the Scandinavians might still be out plundering and terrorizing their neighbors as their ancestors, the Vikings, used to do until the gospel of Christ took hold. 
Had Jesus never come, many of the formerly cannibalistic tribes of Africa, Asia, or the Americas would still no doubt be gorging on human flesh. But Jesus did come, and he elevated morality and life on earth to a much higher level than ever before. The Christian church has never been perfect, but its track record in history should be remembered for the good as well as the bad. Now, I'd like to take a few moments to illustrate what a true follower of Christ should look like if we were to follow the example set forth by Christ. Christians should treat their uh, others as they wish to be treated and should be kind to those who are not. We are encouraged to love our neighbors as ourselves and to go a step further and to even love our enemies. Jesus, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, says in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Why are we to love our neighbors as well as our enemies? Because we are to love as our heavenly Father loves. Jesus set the bar pretty high here. But loving and showing care for our neighbors and our enemies brings us to new places where we can share the love of God with those around us. Next, Christians should help the sick, the homeless, and the disenfranchised while expecting nothing in return. Jesus spent much of his time helping widows, the poor, strangers, women, and children. He hung out with sinners and outcasts. Jesus taught us to do good and to lend, expecting nothing in return. Next, as citizens, Christians should obey the law and pay their taxes. Christians should respect the law and, and obey civil government and pay their taxes the only exception is when civil law, civil law contradicts divine law. That's a whole other sermon. As neighbors, Christians should live in peace with others. The Bible encourages us to live peacefully with all and to lead a quiet and peaceful life. As to their worldview, Christians believe that life here is preparation for life after, uh, life after death. So believing that they will give an account for their behavior should motivate Christians to live soberly righteously and godly. Sexually, Christians should believe in modesty, purity, and marital faithfulness. Christians should keep their minds clean. They should also treat the opposite sex respectfully. They should stay pure while single and stay faithful when married. As families, Christians should be, uh, believe in lifelong commitments while helping others without families. They should view life as sacred and children as blessings to be loved, supported, and educated. They should believe in caring for aging parents and helping those who have no one to care for them. I could go on. There's a whole lot more. But these are just some examples of how following Jesus should manifest in the life of a Christian. If every Christian followed these tenets without fail, wouldn't, wouldn't society be better for it? Christianity is good for society. Christianity is the solution because Jesus is the solution. If everyone followed Jesus today, and I mean really followed Jesus, 
By following his teachings and example as set out in the Bible, the world would be a much better place tomorrow. The title for this sermon from the What's the Story initiative is Christianity, the Problem or the Solution. Since Christianity is a word used to describe followers of Jesus, I would like to ask that question a different way. Is Jesus the problem or the solution? I hope I have demonstrated today that Jesus is indeed the solution. Christianity is good for the world because Jesus is good. And Christ followers who walk in his steps and do what he did and act like he acted can certainly change the world for the better. I fully believe with all my heart that Jesus is who he said he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only thing that matters in this life is what we do with that information. We have two choices. We can surrender ourselves and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and accept his free gift of salvation, or we can deny him. One choice leads to a restored relationship with our creator and eternal life. The other choice leaves us separated from God, for both for today and for eternity. We can't earn our way to God. We can only accept his free gift. When I was 17 years old, I decided to follow Jesus, and it was the best decision I ever made. It has never been easy, but God has been with me in the ups and downs, and I have never once regretted becoming a follower of Jesus. And God changed my life for the better and continues to make me more like Jesus with each day. Yes, I still make mistakes. You can ask my family. I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress, but God has changed me. And I trust that God will continue to mold me into his image as I strive to follow him with his help. So I would like to conclude today by asking another question. What problem does Christianity solve? It solves the problem of sin. The Bible makes it clear that sin is what separates us from God. Roman, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. While other religions push a system where good works can lead us to God, Christianity is the only religion where God reaches down to us. As I stated earlier, God knew that we could never keep his perfect laws, and that is why he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that everyone who places their faith in him would be forgiven, justified, and made righteous. Not of our own works, but of his works. By Jesus' death on the cross, he restored our relationship with God that was broken by sin. Having been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus, all who believe in him are saved from the penalty of sin and are adopted into God's family. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him should not, not perish but have eternal life. What evidence do we have that Christianity solves the problem of sin? The resurrection of Jesus. No other religion can claim that their deity or prophet rose from the dead. Jesus alone conquered death. He was seen by countless witnesses after his resurrection, and many of these witnesses died brutal and painful deaths because of these beliefs. 
The resurrection of Jesus is God's guarantee that all who place their faith in him will also have a future resurrection into eternal life. This view is unique to Christianity. God has provided a solution to sin, and everyone that places their faith in his son can enter a relationship with God. So the problem to which Christianity has a solution is how a holy God could have any favorable dealings with unholy sinners. God solved the problem by taking the initiative and sending his sinless son to bear the punishment that we deserve. Don't miss that. The God of the universe pursued us. When we place our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that we cross over from death to life. This is the hope that Christianity offers the world. This is the solution to the problem that the world so desperately needs. If you are here today and you find this hope attractive, please talk to me or any of the other pastors or elders, and we would be happy to tell you more about how you too can cross over from death to life. Christianity is good for the world because Jesus is good. I want to leave you with a quote from English, the English Puritan John Flavel. Jesus is bread to the hungry, water to the thirsty, a garment to the naked, healing to the wounded, and whatever a soul can desire is found in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you for what you did to redeem us. We are sorry for not always being a good representative for you, but we are thankful that Jesus fixed that when he died to save us from our sinful nature. Help us to live more like Jesus. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world around us. Help us to reconcile others to you by our example as we walk in the steps of Jesus. And when we fail, Lord, please forgive us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.